This is our 100th episode you're about to listen to, so we want to do something special. In the episode, I talk about how to win a free copy of Black Widow, but I forgot to tell you where to submit your entry. So, here's what you need to do. Submit your answer to us on Twitter, at Geeks with Shields. Don't worry, I will also post these instructions in the description below. So, hope you guys enjoy. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... Shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It is going. Uh, my bathroom is still being worked on, so I'm recording from my girlfriend's apartment living room right now, which means that my acoustics aren't great. But, uh, you know, I'm here. I'm alive. How are you? I am stuck in a blind rage. Blind, why a blind rage? Uh, I've, already, I've already shared it on the socials. Uh, my brother and two of my nephews all tested for taking zero per. Ah, I see. That can certainly yeah. be frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's been. Anyways, we're not here to remind you of the dystopia that we live in. We're here to talk the positive dance monkey dance. And before we get anyway. to that, thing to do. <laughs> Yes, we're going to thank our patrons that allow us this little escape hatch from the Darkest Timeline. They are wonderful, wonderful patrons, and they are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnson, Donald Lucy, and Nathan Willis. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks for shields. 25 cents an episode keeps the wheels on this bus spinning. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong Oric, but isn't this isn't there something special about this uh, this particular thing we're recording right now? There is. Now you all listening at home probably don't know because we don't really number the tracks, but this is our 100th episode. That's right. We've been doing this for 100 episodes. Technically, more with all the bucklers, bolters, geeks of Grimdark Book Club, yada yada yada. This is the 100th episode of the Prime Show. And as it's the 100th episode, of course, we got to do something special. And we are already in the middle of something special, so we get to do something special that's a sub of that special. And that also means that we get to have someone special with us. Why don't you come out of the shadows there and say hi? Yes, I am sub-special. That is that is me. <laughs> is that um, your Mortal Kombat character? Ha! <laughs> sub-special wins. Podcast. Um, this is uh, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa, um, a shield brother of these two fine gentlemen and frequent, um, I don't know, Guest, co-host, impersonator of cool people. Collaborator. Yes, collaborator. Say collaborator, but I have some uh, hangups with that word. <laughs> collaborator. It sounds too much like work. <laughs> well, I mean, we theoretically get paid. I am outsourcing. And we have good we, synergy. <laughs> and because hundredth episode and Chris, we are continuing a series that we've been doing for a while, the MCU SmackDown, and we are specifically doing the. I mean. I guess the most important part of it, which is the Avengers movies, SmackDown, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're almost in the end game. So we're going to do a couple ah, of things ha, ha, ha. special for this one. One, because it's the 100th episode. Two, because it's something fun to do. At the oh, end oh. of this. Oh, at the end of this? What about the, at the end of this? At the end of this, listeners, we are going to have our finalists for, you know, the Avengers and going into the finale. We will then record the finale episode before the finale episode releases. If you correctly guess the winner 
of the MCU SmackDown, you'll be entered in a chance to win a digital copy of Black Widow. Love it. This is news to me, so, uh, yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, uh, we gotta do something special. It's the 100th episode. This is, I don't know what number, Director SmackDown, and it felt like a good one to do. It's like, all right, if you're listening at home and you've followed our train of logic, can you deduce who we're going to pick? I mean, I, I probably. <laughs> I feel like our thought process. Then again, we've surprised ourselves. We so. All of these have been we've, a surprise. We've never been able to predict these. We went into Kevin Smith going, it's going to be Dogma. Nothing's going to top Dogma. And then all of a sudden we went, actually, it's Clerks 2. Spoilers for our Kevin Smith Smackdown. I don't know. I wasn't too surprised about James Wan, for instance. But that's, we're getting into another conversation entirely. That being said, we've only got three rounds to go over in this uh, recording, so we have plenty of uh, room to breathe, as it were. Which is good for us, because we like to talk. And that's- I feel this is going to be an interesting one, because some of these are gimmies, and other ones are like, well, what the hell? How do we decide? True. So why don't we get right into it with round one? Round one being Age of Ultron versus Endgame. So I'd like to call this the David and Goliath, but that feels too one-sided. The two it's not out. one-sided enough. Okay, so uh, the, who wants to kick us off with the thoughts? I'll, I'll, I'll always start. Work. You'll start? Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, because I kind of set it up. Age of Ultron is kind of the... Now, I mean, people still love to piss on the Dark World because reasons but age of ultron's kind of the one that everyone's kind of going oh that one sucks too and part of that's the whedon factor we're not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole because i don't want to yeah i want to i want to make it clear too that i just recently as in last month went back and rewatched the entire mcu up through loki i guess would be the most recent thing so and what if now well okay but what if is a i feel like what if is another thing entirely i'm not Anyway, so Age of Ultron, actually, I'm stepping on your toes. I'll let you finish your thought. (laughs) Yeah, Age of Ultron, it isn't bad, but it isn't good. And I I don't want to be negative on it, so I'll try and talk about the positives. The Hawkeye scene's great. That opening is great. What else is good in there? Well, oh, we get to see the superheroes being superheroes, and that's good. But... And I'll pull a couple band-aids off real quick. This is the one where you really feel the studio intervention and a lot of people accusing, like people do accuse and possibly rightfully so. Marvel, the company hijacking director's visions of going, no, 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 you need to do this, this and this. And I'm sorry, James Spader was a terrible choice for Ultron. I have so many different thoughts than you on this. <laughs> I know people love Spader as Ultron. I... I, I hate him with a burning passion. He ruins the movie for me. It's interesting. I, I actually think Spader is one of the high points of the movie. I'm with um, Chris. But, but I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, my, my take on Ultron has always been that it's what the studio thought the MCU films were supposed to be. It, the, the movie almost got high on its own supply. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Very much. And, and and I even going back and watching it now, so. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing per you know, se. Actually, here's what I was gonna say about that, if you don't mind, Chris. I just went and watched Shang Chi a couple days ago, and uh, first of all, I love Shang Chi a yep. lot more than Black Widow, which actually I found quite boring. But Shang Chi was awesome, and I've been looking up a lot of people talking about it. And one thing I I heard in like 
four different somewhat critical review videos was this idea of MCU-isms and, like, injections of what they called, like, company-mandated comedic beats and things like that. And I understand where they're coming from. There's a point in Shang-Chi where a really good dramatic moment is undercut by a joke about beef, and I that really bugged me, so I get it. Uh, and that, I think those MCU-isms, that idea of that, stems from, you know, a lot of stuff that happened Avenger, in Avengers and Phase 2, mostly. But Age of Ultron is a great kind of, I think, interpret or a great example of what I'm going to call MCU-isms, but I think it's done appropriately there. And what I mean by that is when you're doing a movie that's a lot of uh, jokes, a lot of character moments, a lot of just, you know, like, for instance, Age of Ultron has the after-party scene, which is in my, like, top five scenes in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, solid yeah. stuff. We get to see the Avengers being people, which is something, again, I feel like we're not seeing as much. Like, well, this is really kind of a watershed moment. The MCU is never the same after this. We can touch on that here in a bit, but my point is that I think that a lot of what gets overlooked, again, having rewatched Ultron, is that Ultron is, it feels like it's meant to be those moments first and everything else second, because Age of Ultron feels like it's supposed to be a a vessel for those kind of inter-character moments. That's why a lot of it is just characters debating each other or talking with each other, you know, having fun with each other, things like anything from you know, Cap and Tony arguing to Tony and Banner's banter to... Now, this has a, an upside and a downside. I think it's mostly an upside, personally. But in some ways, I can I would say Age of Ultron is almost like a um, distilled version of what I think is a lot of the the connecting threads in the MCU. If that Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Like I said, this is a watershed moment because a lot of stuff that happens in Age of Ultron, we don't go back to. We don't see people in the MCU as much anymore after this. There are no crowd scenes. There are no Avengers evacuating people. We don't really get these down moments of all the Avengers piling around and hanging out and sharing war stories. Well, to be fair, ever since that movie, there hasn't been plots that really... Are, are for that outside of like uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like most of Phase Three's plots are quite out there because Phase Three is trying to go head first into the cosmic stuff. So but it's yeah, true. It, it represents a shift in focus. And I'm trying to think of anything else we really don't we we see in Ultron that we. we There's don't... two things I want to say about Ultron real quick. One, in my opinion, I think James Spader does kill it as Ultron. Now the version of Ultron he's portraying bears little to no resemblance to comic book Ultron, but that's not Correct. a bad thing or a good thing to me. It's just a thing. I a I will say I will say I absolutely wish they didn't make his mouth move. I know that's a yep. yes. nitpick. Nope. I agree. He's way creepier when his mouth doesn't move. He, well, looks, he looks like he, when the Transformers take off their freaking masks in the Michael Bay movies, and it's a well, he's got speakers in his cheeks, so why does he need to move his mouth? Correct. Yeah, like it's a small thing, but it does like nag at me every time he's on screen. Because I like a lot of like Ultron's speeches or what he's talking. I like that he's petulant because he's basically a child. But yeah, every time he's talking, I'm distracted by his stupid moving metal mouth. So I mean, we we can't we can't leave out the fact that right the, the through line, even though this movie is a lot clunkier than the first Avengers, the, the through line is everything that happens in those two event films is what sets up the next phase of the MCU, right? And it, 
it's really awesome to me that, you know, we, we spent all this time with Loki and then all this time after getting to, to Thanos for the later movies. But Ultron is like a self-contained distillation of everything we've seen of Tony Hark's, Tony, Tony Stark's story arc throughout every film he's been in. And it's, it's a really cool culmination of his paranoia and, and everything else that, you know, I think those themes are really investigated well in the movie. And I think everybody just, uh, for, for a scene that's, for a sec segment of a movie that's so poorly handled in the film, i.e. everything that happens in Sokovia, um, it's really important to the rest of the movies, right? So. Yeah, certainly. And and I like that the other movies have spent time making it more important than the way it was handled in this film. It you know we'll we'll leave out the reality of Joss Whedon for a minute and talk about his strengths as a geek powerhouse, right? There's Getting a him- reason. There, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, there's a reason why Joss Whedon was chosen to helm these in the first place. You look at things like Buffy and Firefly, and he at at the time was the best in the business at doing like these kind of ensemble, quirky, camaraderie groups of characters. Yes, he knows how to write a group of people in a movie and not have anyone feel like, okay, you feel written in. Like, no, this feels like I'm watching a cast, which is this movie strength. It's not bad. I don't want to say Age of Ultron is bad. Literally. It's just not as good. You know what effect, you know what impact I feel like Age of Ultron had the most on fans? After, before Age of Ultron, Hawkeye was like nothing but a joke to a lot of fans, even though Jeremy Renner's doing a decent job. But after Age of Ultron, Hawkeye's fan base soared. Because they gave him something to do. Like, let's be honest, the first Avengers doesn't know what to do with Hawkeye, so they just mind control him. Which, and then which I thought was a cool way to handle that character. I think it really, it really helps set him up for where they take him in the other movies, in my opinion. Yeah, it might be a, you know a, a result of poor choice. I don't know, but I I always thought it was kind of cool to get there and have one of the characters that you know we haven't had a chance to introduce this guy yet, so we're just going to have him show up and be the villain. I I, I thought it was kind of cool. Now, honestly, yeah, no, talking, it's economical with what they done. But but we're not talking about that movie yet. The, the thing now, if we're talking like actual problems with Age of Ultron, well, I, have, I I wanted I wanted to finish. Just, just okay. sorry, I, I apologize. It's just the through the through line on Whedon is he he unfortunately I think was in the midst of getting a little too big for his britches in the background. Yeah, which we didn't really know, and I think that kind of played into a little bit of the studio meddling. I would imagine. Um, I, well, I was sad to hear that uh, Elizabeth Olsen said in the behind the scenes for WandaVision that Joss Whedon told her specifically, you will never wear yeah. the, the costume on Correct. movie. It's not going to happen. And then she got to do it. <laughs> and, and I just think, I think that is all weird studio shit. Because this is still when uh, Ike Perlmutter had his fingers in the pie right. with Feige. So yeah, there's definitely like, the whole, that's why we have to set up Ragnarok, that's why we have to set up Civil War, that's why we have to set up everything coming forward in this one movie instead of just letting it be an Avengers film. And, and, Guys, and we're going to go see the other ones, you don't have to put it right, all in it, here. It's almost like they they lacked confidence in what was working for them up to this point, and mm-hmm. tried to, hey, we threw everything in the kitchen sink, and they, they almost pulled a DCEU with this movie, they didn't. Because the movie ended up working mostly. Yeah, I mean, 
while Thor's journey to the exposition pool is not great, but it's still not as bad as let's watch a bunch of trailers in the middle of the movie. Correct, but they almost pulled that, and n- nothing is more um, visible in that respect than the really bland Sokovia third act. It it feels like something out of a first-run DCEU movie um, where they don't know what to do, so they just throw a bunch of special effects at the screen and, you know, hope it has an impact. But it really shows that Marvel in the background was working out the through line of kind of moving past Whedon because he, he was not capable of taking this in the direction it ended up going. I do like that the third act though is constructed around uh, literally the Avengers trying to save people. Oh no, I I love that. And and it's, it's what sets it apart from the similar third act of man of steel, right? With like big machine doing thing. You know what I mean? At least this is, and then they're going to protect the people. I do love that. But it, it doesn't have the geography or the playfulness of the rest of the film. It is a kind of, it is a very muted setting. I mean, the entire Division of Ultron is oddly muted when you compare. I recently had someone point out to me that the MCU in general, compared to, say, you know, Raimi Spider-Man or Christopher Reese Superman, like the color palette is generally... Uh, muted, which I didn't think about because there are exceptions, like the Guardians movies tend to have a lot of color, Doctor Strange is filled with color, but when you look at like just a lot of scenes in cities, there's a lot of gray. And The costumes the- are bright and colorful, the sets are drab right. and boring. Uh, yeah. something, some, something, one other positive I wanted to put that is a negative that a lot of people put in, is I am a sucker for splash panels. Yep. Yes. And even though they're overdone in this film... I love them. Oh, no, and, I'm a comic book nerd. I'm all here for and, the Splash and so, and so I feel like, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare the quality of this film to this other film I'm going to mention, but it feels, the Splash panels have a feeling to me that a way a lot of the fan service in The Rise of Skywalker had, where it's like, shit, we've got them hooked. Now we really got to show them what they came for. So, like, the movie just goes into greatest hits bit. You know, yeah. where, look at character you like, looking cool, doing cool thing. And you know what? When this movie came out, I was all for it. Do do I think they progressed past it? Yeah, but do I think it made the movie um, bad at the time? I don't think so, you know? Here's what I'll say. I firmly believe that these movies being movies, that the splash panel is the... I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. It is the reward of being able to film these. You can take this yeah. shot and you can blow it up on the big screen. You can have it be 30 feet tall and you can pause and you can go, you know, this is a comic book panel. You know what you're looking at and look at it, look and enjoy. I mean, that is some of my favorite parts are these big splash panels and I don't want to give him credit, but Whedon knows how to pull off those splash panels. He does. He does. He made them impactful. He- he knows exactly how, and they time it with this huge bomb, 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 and, and then it just and big circle is, shot, and you're like, yeah, and, the thing and you forget is, right, everything. It suffers from the, well, that band already did that once, so I don't want to see them do it again problem of, when they did the splash panel thing 80 fucking times in the original Avengers, we all stood up in the theater and cheered. Yep. But, but we gets crap like it's an overused trick when he does it again in Age of Ultron, and I think to detract from the movie because of that, when there's actual negatives in there, you know, is kind of silly. You know, that's the same as people saying, well, the MCU has a formula, so I don't like it. Well, if the formula works, then why are you upset? 
Yeah, sidebar, my Woundvog recently showed me some video. It was, uh, uh, I, I don't remember what the, the channel is, but they were talking, it was this, like, knight character who was arguing with someone about the MCU, and, and he's, like, yelling at this guy, and this guy goes, they're all the same move, they're all the same thing. And he goes, so are rainbows and sunsets, you plebeian? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. So I'm going to anyway, remember that one. That's sorry, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to cut you off a minute ago, Axel. But uh, oh, no worries. Uh, I mean, right now we're basically just in an expository kind of like, what do we think about these things? And yeah. I want to say that for me, anyway, Age of Ultron only has two real problems. Like, there's a lot of stuff because I love the fact that uh, you know some people say that maybe the movie felt a little too safe. I mean, it still introduced Vision, which was one of the first like completely low tier. No one's going to know this guy, and the entire like plot of the second part of the second act and the first part of the third act is built around him and not they're still going to the practical effect. Yeah, like that's those kind of things were still pretty risky back then. So I think calling it a safe movie is not accurate. It, no, if I'm going to talk about problems with Age of Ultron, I have two, two real ones and that's it. One is that the ending it bears too much superficial resemblance to what in Avengers 1 happened. I've heard several reviewers mention this, and I can't put it a better way, but the fact that it basically revolves, again, around the Avengers fighting an army of faceless mooks, essentially, like, that's just disappointing. And there's a lot of reasons why you can have the sequel, like, rhyme with the, the first one, not to sound like George Lucas or anything, but it just is kind of like, you set up it you know, a scenario with a very different kind of villain that you did before, and yet the ending is basically results in the same kind of action set piece. That just feels kind of like you could have you could have been more clever with that. And it makes the whole third act kind of fall apart, even though I like it conceptually for a lot of reasons. And two, the sequence on the farm between Black Widow and Hulk. Yep. There's a Ooh, there's, there's a lot in this. I'm actually of the persuasion that I actually like the Black Widow Hulk combination. I think that it's that's just that scene. Just as that scene. It worked in theory, not in execution. Well, it doesn't work because of one very unfortunate implication that I'm not sure if it was intentional, but now that I've seen Black Widow, I think it totally was intentional and just unfortunate, which is. The idea that Black Widow sees herself as more of a monster than the Hulk, that's good. There's good character stuff mm-hmm. there. They hint, they mm-hmm. hint at Avengers it's 1 with her the blood. Through. Yes. Yeah. But by having her tell the story about literally becoming sterile with nothing in between and then following that immediately with, see, you're not the only monster on the team, implies that that's the reason she's a monster, not that she yeah. was an assassin. No, like, people. that's where people lost the thread and they kind of got caught on that one. It's like, no, no, the idea is there. She feels like a monster because of all the terrible shit she's done, and she's been horribly violated. In delivery, it's like, oh, nope, nope, I see what you were going for, and you shot right past it into just bad territory. Exactly. Like, I can see on paper what it's supposed to convey, but by putting the story, it literally feels like a arrangement. Like, you could have arranged the, the words in the story in a better way to not imply what the scene is implying, but it guts like everything going on with Black Widow throughout the movie. And it's just unfortunate <laughs> in a lot of ways. So my mm-hmm. point is that my point is that those things besides yeah. those two things, I don't have any real problems with age of Ultron. If I'm looking at it from a to above board kind of like top down thing, I think it's a pretty decent on its own film. I think that it doesn't have quite the same, you don't have to see anything else to appreciate this that the first Avengers has. But, you know, it, it still, I think, holds up on its own relatively well. I don't think it's as bad as 
the dark world, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Ulrich. And I would rather be on the side of defending Age of Ultron as a movie in general, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll get my little bits. I don't like Spader for Ultron because he doesn't feel threatening. And part of that is they just wrote him as a watered-down version of Tony, which it always was weird to me. Like, why is an AI making quips? Because I'm coming from Comic Ultron where he's terrifying because he's just pure drift than logic and i and you're 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 kind of damned if you do you're damned if you don't in evil robot isn't so i don't like that and i will say to me it wouldn't make sense if he didn't make quips considering that the mcu has already established that ai is created by tony quip jarvis is funny jarvis has but been it's not just tony it's also banner so hulk is in there and it doesn't feel like there's any banner in there i would disagree i, I mean, don't know Okay, outside the after party, you might be right, but I mean, we still get the Hulkbuster scene, which is just wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> but we spent like 20, but awesome. Yeah, but we spent like the last twenty-two minutes talking about Age of Ultron. We should spend some time talking about the movie that we're comparing it to. Yeah, no, I just want to address one final thing, and that's the big end um, end smack them up. You need the faceless mooks so that you can show off how powerful are, but if it's not done interestingly it just kind of is dull which dovetails perfectly into endgame i love endgame endgame is great that end battle not so much agreed because you don't know the flow of battle you don't know what's happening you're getting See, all these great splash moments and pages they're fighting this I, big giant horde this should be fun to watch but it's kind of not I disagree, but here's what's interesting about that. I disagree because I feel like the ending sequence of Age of Ultron and the ending sequence of Endgame, while both being framed around battles of the Avengers versus armies, are, in my estimation, fundamentally different in what they are trying to showcase. That's like, a very good point. Yeah, Age yeah, of Ultron. That. Yeah, because Age of, Age of Ultron has a clear uh, goal of save the city. Here's how we do it. Here's the army we fight. That is the kind of thing where I agree with you. You should have a flow of battle that you should be able to follow. Age of Ultron kind of does it, but not really because I don't really it get it. It's very muddled, very fast. But Endgame's final sequence isn't interested in being a battle in the conventional sense. Age of Ultron's, or sorry, uh, Endgame's final sequence is entirely about giving every one of the, you know, 20-some movies worth of characters a moment. It doesn't care about what the battle is from a grand scale. That's not the point of the sequence. The sequence is to give a little bit to everyone, a little bit more to certain characters, but still give everyone a moment to do something. I agree, but we're not getting those great, power team-ups like we got in the first Avengers, which I feel is ultimately wasted. It's like, you have everybody. Let's get those crazy team-ups. Let's get those crazy last-minute saves. And we get some of those. There are, they are in there, but for the grand finale, the battle doesn't... The battle is carried by the holy shit, look at all these characters I love on screen, and not as much of, holy shit, look at all these characters on screen fighting this massive horde, and I recognize that thing, and I know what that thing is, and oh no, Spider-Man's in trouble, I mean, and now... Let me put it to you like this. There are... There's one moment, maybe, in the Age of Ultron endgame, or sorry, the Age of Ultron final scene that sticks out of my brain, which is 
uh, Vision passing Mjolnir to Thor, them having a banter at the moment of it. There are plenty of moments in the original Avengers fight, like Final Fight, that stand out as memory. When I think about Endgame's Final Fight, I think of things like T'Challa stepping up to take the gauntlet and running through, or Peter activating the insta-kill mode, or the entire Women of MCU splash mode, or you know, Captain Marvel coming in, boom, through the, the ship. My point is, to me, that's the difference, is the, the lack of flow of battle impacts Age of Ultron in a way that nothing, no specific parts of it stand in your memory, but because Endgame's final is not about that, it's about vignettes, essentially. The vignettes that are good still stand out in my memory very strongly, irregardless of the overall nature of the battle. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just, so, I'm trying to get the negatives. Yeah. I, I, I want to balance this. I want to balance the scales before I go into gushing about Endgame. So, and- <laughs> if Endgame has a problem, uh, to, if we're doing like a balance thing, it's really that I think of all of the Avengers movies, it's the one that is most, absolutely most dependent on previous held experience with the films. Like Endgame's a good movie, but it's also basically gibberish <laughs> compared to the other ones if you haven't seen the other ones. Well, I, I cite that as a criticism because we're in a film franchise and no, you can't I'll, say... Go ahead, Chris. No, no, I, I, I was going to be- continue off of the thought I think you're having, so so go for it. Uh, I'll say you can't say, well, if I haven't seen the first 20-some movies, this is all gibberish. Like, you can't jump into the 17th series in a book series and go, well, this doesn't make sense. I haven't read the other 12. I totally agree, which is why I don't use that as a saying that the movie is bad. That's not that. I'm saying that's why it's not quintessential. It's a yeah. capstone movie. It's yeah, no, 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 no. If we're using our criteria here, which we'll, we'll get into later. Yeah, I, I, no. I want to say there are only two films in the entire MCU that make me feel the way thinking about them and thinking about watching them the first time that Endgame makes me feel. There's only one other movie other than Endgame, and we're going to talk about it in round two. So Endgame has a mood, a feeling, a through line through the whole film that it's you don't have to necessarily know everything about every single one of these characters, but society now knows what these things are, right? You don't have to have known the comics. This is what Endgame earns that is what sets the MCU apart from any other attempted cinematic universe so far, really, is that, yeah, okay, you can go into a Batman movie, and okay, I know Batman, so yeah, 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 yeah. Endgame feels like you have an entire childhood of reading comics, even if it's only been the last 10 years of your life watching these movies. It's able to invoke that feeling of, I've lived with this, that no other film outside of one other that we'll talk about in in the next round has. And Ultron, I feel, does that with the splash panel thing, but that's more invoking the first Avengers and more invoking your knowledge of the comics. I would posit, though, Chris, real quick, that an important part of what you're talking about is that Endgame, at least in my estimation, is built from the ground up with that, what you're talking about, as literally its core. The entire premise of the second act is essentially doing a greatest hits of all the films that you have 
up this with is, on purpose. This is, I'm saying that's a positive, but I'm saying that the, the it is true. It is true, and and that that's why that's why I want to say I want to leave the the other half of my thought for a movie I want to talk about in the second section because Endgame requires what you bring into it. There's a movie in the next round that does not, in my opinion, that literally is an event in and of itself, also on building off of the other films before it. That Endgame is it's kind of it needs all of them. You kind of needed to have. Let's go watch all of these and then watch this, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Um, but, uh, I, I still think it makes this round, in my opinion, go to Endgame over Ultron, but we could talk about that a bit more. Yeah, I will say Endgame is probably, of all the films in the entire MCU, Endgame is the most difficult one for me to talk about with anything resembling objectivity. Yeah. And again, I, I reject the entire notion of objective reviews. I don't think such a thing yeah. is. But it yeah. doesn't mean you shouldn't at least kind of try. But I can't... Agreed. Even, I can't even really try with Endgame, because the experience with Endgame is so intrinsically personal and emotional that I, I'm sure that there are quote-unquote legitimate like criticisms from a filmmaking perspective with Endgame, I don't think I'm really capable of seeing them, and that's on me, you know? End, Endgame is Return of the King. It's it's really what it is. And I'm not saying quality, God, we could argue that forever and ever and ever. I wouldn't say it's the same level. But it's for this franchise what that movie is. It literally needs the journey that you have been through for the impact to work. You can't yeah, no. watch the damn movie on its own. You just the can't. Whole... Iron Man sacrifice doesn't work without the attachment we've built to Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Yep. That, yeah. That that what's doesn't what's work. What's funny is, I think you could have made it work without the previous attachment. The 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 beats are there. We have to do with his family and his daughter specifically. You could have had his last words be related to to that, and you could have made it more of a contained thing. But they didn't want to. The point was to hook into the an audience that's been watching this stuff since two thousand eight. So. Yeah. No, it's okay. You can rest now. Only Jesus. works. Yes. Good God. Only works because you've watched him all the way through. You know his arc. Now the line, your dad loved cheeseburgers too, does work on its own and will break you because it taps into dad feels on a level yeah. I am not comfortable with. I guess yeah. you two are dead, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like, oh, no, no. Another no. thing, another thing I just want to point out that's going to be really hard about these movies in particular, um, the Avengers movies, not just these two, is that whole quintessential and does it need what was there before? Like it is kind of hard to have infinity war or end game without Ultron. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing is I feel like of all the four Avengers movies, as far as I'm concerned, end game is the only one that, and again, I love end game, but I feel like it doesn't, I think it doesn't function without what you bring into a previous experience, whereas the rest of them do. And again, to me, that's not really a factor in whether or not it's good or bad. As Ulrich said, you don't expect someone to come into book 17 of a ongoing franchise. But for our particular conversation we're having right now, which, again, as we said many times, isn't about quality or even Correct. enjoyment, but is about quintessentialness. And if Correct. someone's seen just this, 
Endgame is literally the only one of the Avengers movies that I feel like suffers for this reason. Does it suffer enough yeah. to knock it out? I don't know. I'm just pointing this out. I, I, I'm going to agree with you because yeah, shit. We, we've gone like, if I'm only going to put one of these in a time capsule, if I pull out Endgame 30 years later, I'm like, what the hell is this? Who's Thanos? What was the right. snap? What is going on? Who are all these people? It doesn't work as well as, okay, that guy's a green monster. That guy's a god. That guy has a cool suit. Don't know what those two do. And that guy punches real good, and they're fighting a giant robot. Okay, I can follow this. Right, and it, as awful as this is going to sound, the not awful, but as interesting as it's going to sound with the introspectiveness that we have in 2021 about Joss Whedon, we cannot let go of the fact that he writes these characters better than anybody else. And if you're going to have one... Just if you're going to have one movie, one movie where you have to hand it to somebody and go, this is the Avengers out of these two, Age of Ultron's going to tell you a lot more about the characters. You're I, I will give it to that. So are we in agreement that Age of Ultron wins round one? Yeah, I think so. And also okay. I want to put I said this before, too, but I, I also think Age of Ultron gets it because Age of Ultron is, as I said, a distillation of MCU isms for good and bad. So I think it's, again, yeah. it's more representative of yeah. what's going on here than Endgame, which is a better movie, but is a capstone movie. See, you can't predict this. If you look so, at this bracket, you'd go, oh, Endgame's totally going to beat Age of Ultron. Ha! We're not that easy. So I think I think here we should talk about Infinity War first. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And I only, I only say it because we spent the first half of that round kind of talking about the way Whedon crafts a, a movie which is very true in the Avengers as it is in Ultron. Because um, round two, obviously, is the Avengers versus Infinity War. So. Yeah, sorry. But um, uh, Infinity War kind of sets up the kind of greatest hits run that Endgame is. Um, and so I think we should talk about that first. And what's funny is, real quick about Infinity War, I don't feel it has the same issue that I just mentioned with Endgame, because even though Infinity War is coming at the end of many movies, it, it is still constructed in a way that, while you might be a little confused, because in, Infinity War is Thanos' movie, again, not saying he's you know the good guy, but he is the protagonist of this movie, you don't feel, I don't feel like you would suffer as much from not, oh, sorry. Alarm. Hello. I don't feel like you would suffer as much with this movie not having seen anything else. Like, I think Infinity War could theoretically work. Yeah, I, I, I'm playing my beats in my head, and it's like, it just kind of opens, like, all right, we're in space on a ship. Don't know who these people are. Oh, that guy died. Well, the music and everyone's acting is telling me I should be sad, so I'm sad. And, oh, that other guy died. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then it just kind of ramps up, and it, it feels like a superhero movie. It's very big. It's very bombastic. It's very action-packed. And again, time capsule. This one feels like, oh, I, I can see why people are into this. This is a fun kind of jaunty moving along. Infinity War is really, in a similarly distilled, but I'm going to deal, I'm going to lean into the more for better than for worse on the side of Age of Ultron. Um, On this one, Infinity War is very representative of what you're going to get with an MCU film. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the the second scene, 
because the first scene, right, is, you know, bombast, introduce Thanos, do crazy stuff, kill a bunch of characters. Even assuming you don't know much of these characters, the second scene is immediately, hey, now let's talk about what just happened so that we can take a moment and get up to speed and make sure everyone's on the same page as us. As Banner explains to Stark who Thanos is, what these stones are, basic premise of the movie. Boom, we're off to the races. Yeah, this one is kind of written as, have you seen any other movies? No? Okay, well, we're just going to kind of visually show you everyone's powers, and we're going to tell you who the bad guy is, both in subtext and text, and we're going to keep the action moving along so fast that you don't even really kind of pause to go, wait a second, who was that again? Oh, I don't care. Now, I will side note real quick and say that the other movie in this bracket, Avengers, also does all of what we've just described, probably better, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's just we we got to talk about Infinity War only because, like we said, it's not only does Endgame not work without everything that came before it, like we just said in the last round, but there is no Endgame without Infinity War. Infinity okay. War is so damn good <laughs> that Endgame is just the perfect thing that it is. Fuck objectiveness, you know, <laughs> right out of the gate. Here's <laughs> yeah. what I need to know, and this is where I kind of hang on: is does the rift between Tony? and Steve work without context. The Rift doesn't... Well, remember that, at least in this movie, the Rift doesn't really matter. The Rift is there for the beginning of Endgame when they have their interactions with each other, but Tony and Steve never share screen time in Infinity War. The only thing that matters is that he has a moment where Tony says to Banner, hey, I haven't talked with Steve in a while, Avengers split up hard, we're not speaking terms. Yeah, so, and I'm asking, is does that work without context? And I feel yes. like it does, because I feel like you can go, oh, I don't know what this Avengers thing is, but obviously this guy has been out of it and is now coming back and they aren't together anymore. Yeah, again, I feel like that is a well-written scene to convey that information without you having to have been there, even though you're going to get more out of the scene if you were there for Civil War, obviously. Mm-hmm don't need to have been there for Civil War to get grasp what's going on here. So yeah, I think to answer your question, I think it does work fine for this movie. Yeah, no. That was the only thing I really wanted because that's what I'm kind of hinging on because I'm trying to pick apart what are the negatives of Infinity War. Okay, negatives Infinity... Here's my big uh, negative, and I... Well, no, it's not, it's not a negative. Again, I actually think this is a real big positive, but it's a positive that's similar to Endgame's positive that precludes it from this conversation Here's a positive that I don't think precludes Infinity War, but does kind of hurt it. Part of what makes Infinity War so great in the MCU is that it's Thanos' story and that that itself is such a large departure from everything that came before it. Even if you don't, like, even as we established, Infinity War works fine without pretext, but it still is a movie that is in some ways a subversion of the superhero genre in general. The bad guy's our main character. He wins at the end. So that is what makes like it feel very different. But as we said with several other movies in these previous things, that also means it's kind of an outlier. It's especially yeah. an outlier within the Avengers movies. Yeah. Hundred percent. I I agree with that. It's it's a weird. It sets it up not as a negative, but as a reason to take points away from it in our rating system for quintessentialness. Right? Is it? It would. It doesn't necessarily set up. It misses some of the feeling that you'd get from other entries in in the franchise. But it also means that it's far less indicative of other things in the franchise, it's especially not indicative of the other Avengers movies because of this inversion of format. True. 
So, yeah, we, we really got to get to our <laughs> – I think we're going to need to pull out our, our hard ratings. Um, yeah, no, this. no, this is going to be the decider because let's, let's jump over and talk about Avengers real quick. So now, I, I, I wanted – sorry, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just saying, I wanted, to, I wanted to play off the thing I said about Endgame in that there are two films in this whole franchise that make me feel the same way. And one is Endgame, mostly for that battle in the second half of the, the, the end of the film. And basically every ten minutes in, in the original Avengers. This film, there isn't a superhero movie like it, or at no. least up until it came out, in my opinion. it It is a weird, because even the rest of the MCU leading up to it, yeah, it's indicative of all of them. I think it's the most indicative of, of the four movies we talk about here to me. But the film is just fan service. But fan service to people that didn't know they needed fan service. For all of us that know the comics sitting there laughing at the in-jokes, there's people that are loving seeing, oh, I know Iron Man. I saw one of those movies. Oh, I know Thor, maybe. My, my, my brother told me that movie was awesome. But they're standing up and cheering. The opening day audience of this movie, this wasn't a Comic-Con audience. This was a regular movie-going audience. People were cheering and tossing popcorn and loving it. <laughs> I haven't seen anything like it aside from the critic screenings of Infinity War and Endgame. You know, even Ultron didn't get that kind of reaction, even though the splash panels did. The The Avengers is just it, – it, it's a problematic film. You know, if we're going to talk about it as a movie, it's it's not perfect. It's definitely dated and this and that. But there really isn't a superhero movie that feels like it. Even Ultron yeah. is not quite the same. Well, here's the thing you know? Perfect, real quick. Perfect is itself an extremely subjective term. Because nothing is, nothing is 100% perfect across all things, but things can be perfect for certain purposes. So as Correct. you said, The Avengers is not a perfect film, but I think it's easily arguable that The Avengers is a perfect comic book adaptation. Yeah, I, I think I really feel, and I'm going to have to have strong arguments from from you guys on this that it hits all of our points like almost like hammer on nail i mean i i will be fully up front going in this is i'm pretty positive avengers comes out in this whole sequence and it's really about convincing me otherwise like if we're comparing avengers to infinity war they're super close for a lot of reasons oh yeah i don't know which one i even like more necessarily as a movie but Infinity War, part of what I love about it is how subversive it is. Nothing in the Avengers is subversive. Instead, the Avengers is kind of like a – just a perfect example of form of what but, these things should be. But also tell me this. Were you not surprised by almost every moment of it when you saw it in theaters for the first time? That's the I, crazy well, thing about the first Avengers to me was that we didn't have the MCU formula yet this movie literally helped invent it the thing that people call the mcu formula right this this movie the way it handled this villain the way it handled the interaction with the characters no one had done a team up like this that worked like this before i i, I remember watching a review it might have been your brother's review actually uh it might have been stuffman's i don't know but someone had a sentence where they were just like to it a a villain from thor is using a macguffin from captain america to yeah exactly so 
I remember the whole sentence was just like this idea of like just grab, 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 simple plot, simple structure, effective structure, watch them interact with each other, watch the splash page moments, watch cool powers, watch them tell, you know, be interesting characters around each other. This is what you come to this for. Yeah. So I'm running it through in my head and I'll put my cards down on the table. Currently, Avengers is my favorite movie in the MCU in large part because that third act is tuned to perfection. Yeah. It's in that perfect, we're seeing it's the perfect example of how to do that. Yes, we're seeing everyone's powers, we're seeing everyone's powers play off each other. We're getting a very clear, easy to follow escalation of the battle like all oh, they're winning, all oh, they're winning. Oh shit, it's slipping the other way. Oh boy, I don't know what's going to go. <sighs> We get these great, you know, we have the Cap Iron Man Thor fight, which is something we didn't know we needed, but we have. The only problem that I have with the first Avengers is it takes a while to get there. That is a very, it it, it takes a while to accelerate and get where compared to Infinity War, it's like hop in, loser, we're on an adventure. I mean, that's absolutely correct, but I feel like Avengers... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you oh, go ahead. Just, I feel like Avengers, in in my estimation, not just gets away with it, but needed to be like that because for me, that slow burn at the beginning of each character to spend some time just marinating with every one of the characters before they come together is part of what gets me in the zone for it. Like, just the sequence of Black Widow dealing with the interrogators is. Oh, one of my favorite moments in the MCU as well. Like, I, uh, probably like top ten, just because it's also kind of subversive. But then having the moment of like, hey, we know you know Hulk, so just just bear with us for a second. Here, let's introduce Hulk in this way, and this whole, like, this way of interacting with Natasha, and then, you know, taking a moment to be, to have Cap in the helicarrier, or not in the helicarrier, in the, uh, the jet, talking with a fan, talking about the nature of being a man out of time, just all these moments of... Tony Stark coming in and having a whole scene where he gets to just be bantery with his with his uh, girlfriend, wife. I don't know if she was at that point, uh, and and also dismissive and egotistic and you know be Tony Stark. I think all these moments are they're why we came. So even if they feel slow comparatively, they don't feel unnecessary or sluggish. They they're slow by on purpose. And they're effective, I think, because they're taking their time. There was, a, there was a word I used, um, and, you know, we haven't talked about this movie, I don't think, yet. So um, apologize, Axel, because it sounds like your your take on the film was different. But there was there was a word I used to describe Black Widow um, when, when it got to the end. Um, in, in the theater with the critics, I turned around and said, that movie was confident in itself. And, Real quick as a side note, Chris. I've talked to Ulrich about, about this. I didn't care for Black Widow, but I've also told Ulrich that I don't know why. It's it's like- it, it's okay. It's just I I just wanted to say the the words. I don't use this in every um in every uh, MCU film. There's some that feel safe and safe and confident are two different things, right? Yes. Um, confident is that the movie believes in the person they hired to make it and believes in the cast and believes that the audience is going to accept this film and the Avengers in doing that slow burn like character introduction thing is this movie's hey look at how much better we are at this than you way of saying (laughs) 
we literally are tying six different characters together right now, a couple of them you've never met, and we're going to make you fucking care and understand them. And I remember being completely blown away by that because even in some of what we call the best superhero films before these, you know, uh, we, we can argue all day long about what those are. Most of those films don't take that time to do that. Do you know what I mean? And so this yeah. movie is going, not only are we going to take the time, we're going to take the time with every character. And I, I think that's a real big confidence level. The movie is very um, comfortable with itself. There, the movie doesn't feel like, And that's, I think, the biggest problem with Ultron is Ultron is uncomfortable with itself. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's too... Right. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. Like, again, I, I actually like Age of Ultron more than I think uh, a lot of people do, but I think you, I, I can totally see what you mean by that. So, and it's not all of it, obviously, it's just parts of it. Oh, but not talking about Age of Ultron right now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely, you know what's funny? I feel like Avengers and Infinity War are both two movies that, like, even though neither one of them is my favorite MCU movie, my favorite MCU movie still is Thor Ragnarok, although I really like Shang-Chi, but that's another thing entirely. I I do feel like both Avengers and Infinity War, other than, like, nitpicks or very small things, just don't have any real problems. Not not really. So No, they're both solid films. So, to maybe move us... Sorry if I cut off. Sorry if I cut you off, Chris. I thought I was going along no, with No, not at all. You, you, you bounced off what I was saying really well. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here is where I am at. I am leaning towards Infinity War for two, two or three reasons. We'll see how it pans out. Reason one being Infinity War is bigger. And, and if we are time capsuling, I want to put the bigger, grander achievement forward. Like, it's one thing to do six people. But what if we do a dozen? What if we do 20? What if we do multiple locations? What if we do space? So you got that. The other one is Avengers. Before you move on, I have a counter too. Let's see if ours are the same. So first, you all right? You use two words there. One I agree with. One I don't. Bigger, yes. Grander, no. I think the Avengers is a grander achievement than Infinity War is a bigger achievement, and the difference in there is nuanced. But comes down to what those movies are accomplishing. Yes, Avengers does it with a smaller cast, but it's still a a grander accomplishment than what Avengers accomplishes in regards to cast. I'd argue that the thing you're describing uh, is accomplished even better in Endgame, but that, again, is a capstone. We've already moved past that. So, to me, that's not really a point of comparison for, for this. What, what do you have to say about it, Chris? It, it's, it's basically the exact same thing. I- Infinity War is squishing together the Avengers proper, um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy crew, which have kind of overlapped with the Thor crew, right? But it's overlapping things that have been prior introduced. The Avengers literally is taking threads. We have a few movies with some characters in it, and then we have brand new people that one of them showed up in a movie prior, but that's not really canon. Maybe it is. We're not really sure. And they're literally going to jam them all together and use a villain character from another film and people had not ever seen that done to that level. Infinity War does it again, and I would argue equally as successful, but the seal had already been broken. It's not it's not quite the same achievement, in my opinion. Pick up on what I think Chris and Orc is, are putting down, is that, yes, if we're time-capsuling this, Infinity War might seem like a bigger thing, 
on screen by having a bunch more, you know, just a bunch more in general. But let me put it this way. Infinity War, again, because it's Thanos' story, feels like it's maybe even a more focused story than Avengers. Infinity War is about Thanos. Everyone else is there. But the Avengers is about the Avengers. So the focus of the story arguably feels bigger in the Avengers because it's about more than one person. (laughs) It's taking multiple threads and focusing them, whereas Infinity War is literally taking those existing threads but then focusing on something and letting those threads continue. You could almost argue that they're like threading in opposite directions, whereas one is a bunch of things coming into one point and the other is one point branching out into a bunch of other things, but we're getting very esoteric there. Yeah, Mm. so pin that because we're going to come back to that. Point number two, which I thought of in the intervening time, Thanos is a better villain than Loki. And when I say that, I mean Thanos feels intimidating, he feels scary, we see him take on the Avengers one by one and go, you can't stop me. Loki kind of feels like, all right, if we just get Thor or Hulk against him or both at the same time, they're going to kick his ass. Maybe, but I will say that I, I still think Loki's introduction scene in Avengers is very effective at putting up as a threat. So he just pops out of this, uh, this portal. The makeup is done very specific to make him look like a much more dark, almost desperate kind of, like, psychotic figure. He's unhinged. Yeah, unhinged. Exactly, unhinged. He's to murder a room full of people and then mind control the remaining living people while going off on essentially a, you know, godlike you know, rant about his his purpose and what he is positioned as. Yes, I will say that Thanos is more intimidating and scary at the end of the day because of all the things he does in Infinity War, but I feel like at least in Avengers, just Avengers, not counting, like, what Loki does in subsequent movies, I feel like they do a really good job at establishing him as a threat. I'm not saying he's not a threat. I'm saying he looks human, and we can put all of our humanity and stuff into him. Thanos shows up, and not only is he bigger and kind of, he doesn't look human, he is at the head of an empire. So it's immediately established, like, oh, this guy is a threat. I mean, I would argue that, at least just comparing these movies, I feel more humanity from Thanos. because I agree. Since, since Infinity War is Thanos' movie, a lot of it is about him overcoming his obstacles. We have moments of him being, uh, you know, showing his doubt. The entire sequence with Gamora is about him dealing with his emotional thing. So while, while he has an empire, that empire doesn't really factor much into his story. Whereas the way Loki is positioned in Avengers is the guy completely in control. The guy who is murdering and, you know, sowing destruction everywhere, and he's manipulating even the heroes, and no one knows what's really going on with him, quote-unquote, until the end. He feels a lot more like like the best kind of Bond villain, where Thanos feels mm. more like a hero's journey kind of character. So I don't know about... That. I mean, yes, I mean, you're making the argument that Thanos is a more compelling villain because we have all these little nuances to dig into. I'm, and I don't want to knock Tom Hiddleston. He's a very nice, fine actor, but he's not physically intimidating. Well, I mean, he's not mentally intimidating. There's nothing really intimidating about him except for that performance. I'd say say he's very menacing. I will agree with you about intimidation because that's not intimidating. And menacing is its own thing. If this is a big superhero movie, and I mean, we're thinking about it in mythic proportions. Do I want my big villain to be menacing 
or do I want him to be intimidating and terrifying? Here's here's one silly thing to think about, though. For the record, I don't consider Thanos terrifying. That's another argument you can have to say. Th- Thanos is technically the villain in the Avengers, though, too. This is – and I don't mean just that, you know, we don't know anything about him or anything yet, right? But what makes Loki – scary and great as a villain to me is he shows up and is able to be menacing and do the damage that he does just on his own, but then brings in something else to wreak havoc that let's just say, even though the Chitari there, you know, a bunch of faceless goons running around them and those big interdimensional worms that come out and everything, that is a terrifying and giant set piece, right? There's a very personable, very, you know, Iron Man almost has to kill himself in this freaking movie to save the world thing going on that I don't feel the eventual. Yeah, OK, Thanos snaps half the world away. That's that hit that beat at the end of Infinity War. Right. But we also have a bunch of movies to get used to these characters for that to be impactful. The Avengers does it in almost one film. And also comparing Loki to Thanos isn't really the right comparison because while they're both the villains as I feel like I'm harping on this, but I think it really does get to the meat of what's going on here is that Thanos is a protagonist in infinity war. Loki is an antagonist in Avengers. So honestly, and it sounds weird. Loki's parallel infinity war is not Thanos, but Iron Man. Yep. Exactly. Oh no! Last thing I'll say before we on my final point, and that kind of you know takes the edge off Loki, is we open with Thanos beating the living hell out of Hulk and not breaking a sweat, which as immediately establishes like okay, we sent the big bruiser, which they establish of well, we have a Hulk, and then him going no, that doesn't mean anything compared to Loki's big moment of I just killed a bunch of humans, I don't know if that sets up this villain as as big a threat to me, um, you know, if we're putting the two. Side by side, it's like, no, the big purple guy just took out the big green guy. That feels more impressive as a villain establishing feat than guy showed up out of a portal, stabbed and mind controlled. It feels if I'll I'll give you that. But I think I think it only feels that way because of what's built up to it a little bit to me, because if you if you. But if you just really quick to finish the thought, if you go into Infinity War without having any of these other films before it, all you see is CGI helped superhero people beating up Purple Guy or trying to beat up Purple Guy. You get into the Avengers, you're seeing superhero people face against villain person. And I feel like that is much more indicative of the overall. The majority of the MCU is about people or people looking things. Doing yeah. superheroic feats. This is not the no, no. Zack Snyder I, mythic. We'll, we'll circle back. I will also say, Ulrich, there's an important personal thing going on there because just just me. This is just me here. If I'm looking at this guy can brutally beat me into a pulp, but this guy can completely take over my mind so that I'm a passenger in my own body to his will. That guy is way more terrifying to me. Unless you're Iron Man. Then he has no power over. Yeah, but we don't know that until the end of the movie. So. I'm still, I'm saying, if we watch it the whole way through, this guy gets stopped by a piece of glass in your chest. Yes, but again, that that is something that doesn't show up until the very end. I'm so saying, if we, we got, we're looking at Time Capsule, we have to look at our villain beginning to end of that movie, 
and Loki, to me, I'm sorry, is not as is not the villain I want to put forward to represent me. All right, third and final point. This may be two points. Fourth, but also you also it's easy to argue that uh, Tony Stark is the exception that proves the rule. He's the only person who can seemingly resist. But anyway, continue. His arc reactor. It ain't Tony. It's not like Tony shrugged off the mind control going, no, I'm too powerful. Anyways, we'll circle back to that. Whatever point I'm on now, I've lost count. Fourth. Avengers does not have that same emotional gut punch that is watching our heroes lose and watching Peter die in Tony's arms, begging him not to make him go. Two things about that. One, Again, is any of that indicative of the franchise outside I'm of not, We're not on franchise yet. This is time well, cap. So, so two things about that. One, Avengers does have a gut punch. Yes, it's not the same level, but it's not trying to be the same level with the Coulson death. I still think that that's actually effective from a writing standpoint. Coulson doesn't work if you don't know who he is. I disagree. I feel like literally the build-up... I, of- I, I don't. He is... We watched Loki show up and slaughter a bunch of these suits, and now Loki killed a suit that had a few more lines. Except that the few more lines, I think, are really I good agree. at establishing Coulson as a character, especially because they're all about his relationship with superheroes, specifically with Captain America, but how he sees the superhero. I, I love Coulson, but I, I don't think so. I want to say... And my, two, my- more importantly... Uh, Having a bigger gut punch is because those movies are, again, accomplishing very different things. Avengers is not meant to leave you, like, existentially wrecked. It's it's supposed to be the big celebration of these characters. Infinity War is the subversion of that. Which, again, is why Infinity War is great, but why I think it's less accurate for, or less apt to what we're trying to find here. I disagree. And again, I'm, I'm only arguing time capsule at this moment. We'll, we'll move on to the other points. But for, for time capsule, though, if you show somebody Infinity War, they're going to ask what happens next. There's also that. There is that, and, and that, that is the overhang. But I'm also thinking that it kind of goes, they lost. That That's it. I can just tell you, they lost. But so you're going to say to somebody time capsule-wise, then, okay, that's what the Avengers do. They lose. They fought hard, and they they, they did everything they could, and I feel that that's... I, I will argue it's impactful. And also, and I, I hate that I'm saying this, it subverts the expectation of your hero story. Agreed. That, that's, and, that's very good. And it, uh, but those, I, I like the point. idea. That uh, why, that's the reason why Infinity War is a great movie. I don't think, even if we're just talking time capsule, I think that's exactly the reason why it's not as effective as a time capsule film as the Avengers is. I like the idea of, time capsuling a story where our heroes did their best but they didn't win because you don't always win but this that would be like arguing that um that uh Schindler's list had to stay in the Spielberg one and make it to the end because it's the most um societally impactful film he made yeah but we also argue we we nixed Schindler's list because you can't just throw on Schindler's list like you can and Spielberg well, but it's also not indicative the- of the grand there's a number, there's a number of arguments there, but if we think about like what the Avengers and what the Infinity War and what, uh, like, okay, I'm not talking franchise, I'm talking not even genre, I'm talking like media. Like we talk about this with the, when we talk about Black Panther, like what comic books are meant to do for an audience in the most artistic, high-minded way possible. <laughs> and, oh, oh, okay, real quick, can I throw in a fun monkey wrench? Go ahead, monkey wrench. Okay, fun monkey wrench. 
we are picking between the superhero movie with the all white cast or the superhero movie with the there, there's multiple black people. Do we want to which one do we want to go with? Like that's his representation. It's like this one has multiple women and you know non white people. You're, you know what? That's this a one has really all point. That's so far. That's your best point I've heard so far. But, uh, yeah, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we, already cast, we like, already cast Black Panther aside. Are we yeah, going to like, that podcast? So so do we really want you know? It's like we made superhero movies. It's all it's all all white guys and one 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 woman. Yeah. Well, this one ends happily, but they're all they're, they're, you got one black guy. That, that's cool. I, all right. Anyway, I totally agree with that monkey wrench, but I still feel like because what these comics are supposed to do, they, you know, they are comic books that, that these characters come from, that these are characters that are made to be idealizations, inspirations, mostly for young people, but for people everywhere. This is modern mythology. These are figures that are larger than the stories that they inhabit. To have a theoretical future where the only artifact of their existence is one in which they lose and reinforces the essentially hopelessness of reality, a, a escapist story that at the end says, no, fuck you, the universe sucks and is bleak and horrible and there's no hope because there's no endgame in this universe. That's not a reality that... I would want any part of, whereas the reality where the Avengers, the thing we have, whereas the entire story of literally people coming together with the theme of, hey, we all work together to overcome any problem, even ones that are threatening the entire globe. That's the kind of thing that as a medium, I want to be put forward into the world. Okay, cool. But I I feel like I've made my rock that I'm not comfortable shifting from in that the time capsule, the big one we want to seal away and say this is indicative of this franchise super movies only represents white people if you are anybody but a white male guess what you don't get to be represented in this seminal work okay same same difference then if you're anything but a white male you're going to be in the group that loses well, okay, real quick. I, I hate token. I'm not like I'm not supporting tokenism or anything, but you can't ignore the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is the guy who puts together the Avengers in the Avengers. Cool, representing so. black people, but we still missing on you know Asians and Black Widow has a is the most underpowered member of the team. Yeah, but Infinity War doesn't get Asians either. Really, Asians doesn't come in until Shang Chi, which is amazing. But so that's not really part of it. So I, already, no matter what choice you're you're cutting out someone. Yeah, but conversation. So. Infinity War gives us a powerful African kingdom. So so let's let's say we're on the fence with the time capsule thing for a minute. What does it hit on our other gauges? Yeah, well, let's let's shift off. Okay, representative of the MCU as a. Nope, no, yeah, no. I feel like that, that I feel kinda, like, MCU as a whole. I feel like we hit the same problem. Uh, I honestly don't, because again, I feel like the, the the biggest strength of Infinity War is that it's subversive. It's an inversion That's of the true. formula. I feel like and you convinced Avengers me is really a big celebration. Well. Yeah, and yeah. and Infinity War couldn't even last one film without them winning. Literally, the next, the next it's, film it's follow up. It's follow up. They reverse it all. Yeah, so I feel like that one is such an obvious point to the Avengers, because again, I love Infinity War largely because it is not representative in the same way that those things are. But if the point is indicative of the franchise as a whole, it's 
definitely the Avengers. And I would have to hear a damn <laughs> convince me otherwise. I, I would argue that this would be a lot harder if Infinity War and Endgame were one film. That's true. Yeah. That's not yeah. how we're voting them, but I just I, I Infinity War and, and Endgame's arc is between I, as one film is far superior to the Avengers. I, I will argue against the idea that you can cut Endgame and Infinity War together and have one movie. You can't. No, are, I don't I don't think you can. I've done if, the back to back viewing and there's like, nope, this does not drive. Right. But if that story were somehow being told at once in a in a different film, um it would be superior if they could pull it off. But yeah, you can't cut them together as they were released. They were they were made and edited as different standalone films that just complete each other's story. Agreed. Okay. But, so, but the Avengers takes takes the MCU all day, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Representative of the phase. So it'd be the well, Avengers being representative of phase one. Well, actually, no, yeah. this is it's not about the phase. This is representative of Avengers movies. If you got to be the first one, I, I'd be I'd be hard to be convinced I otherwise. Think, well, basically, look, look at this again. Is, is the Avengers more like Age of Ultron and Endgame or is Infinity War more like Age of Ultron and Endgame? The Avengers is more like Age of Ultron and Endgame. Yeah, it's a big I, with Chris and team up. I, I'm, it's a big super team up, and I think the bigger team up is the more indicative of the Avengers comic as an idea. This is a team coming together to face off against something, and I feel like the bigger team, the bigger setting, drawing from more places, is more indicative of. All right, let's get everybody together. But then that's way. Endgame and not Infinity War. Yeah, but I know. And it's knocked out. We're, we're debating between the two of these, which is a better representative of the Avengers. And it's and it's the Avengers, I think. And you know what's funny about this? I feel like at this point, like again, I still feel like the 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 balance is shifting heavily towards Avengers. But I am happy that Ulrich has made it a very no, strong point. I am I am very on the fence, only leaning slightly towards Avengers right now because Ulrich's brought up some great points. He really I like, has. Again, Ulrich's representation point hit me right in the gut, but I'm still leaning Avengers. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I just, I guess, here, here's the thing for me. Is it possible to compartmentalize these? Well, hold on. Before we get to that, what's the third point in our criteria? Because if those first two points go to the Avengers and we are... Back to the time capsule. Yeah, time capsule, phase... Well, the, I guess there's a fourth. It's indicative of the of the comics. Ah, okay. Oh, that's, that's another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. Well... We've kind of talked about that, but I want to always keep it an odd number of criteria so we wouldn't get into tie situations. Well, but maybe maybe that helps one of the other three, though, be, be, because that can help the time capsule one a little bit. Yeah, but for the record, if I'm hearing the conversation right, we basically agree that Avengers gets two points, and then we are in a split decision about the third point. But I'm not ready to grant that second point because I don't know if it does represent the Avengers comics better. I mean, Avengers, the Avengers is a team. Yeah. Well, and if it's a diverse team from all over the place, like the experiment is, can we do a bunch of different movies? I feel like having space people is a better representation of everybody than, hey, look, Hawkeye's in this, but he's mind controlled. Yeah, but the space people weren't introduced in the Avengers. They're pulling them. They're pulling them from something else that needed to exist. For them Which, to be impactful. That's the and even the point of these movies, really though, is but no, 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 no. But but here's the thing. My my argument is you can show someone just the Avengers without them having seen Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, or um the Hulk, the Hulk, 
And the movie does a great job of telling you what the fucking Tesseract is right at the beginning. It's literally the opening epilogue of the film. That's all you need to know. Yeah. No, I can kind of – I'm trying to debate. Uh, do but you need Guardians to understand the Guardians of the Galaxy? You can go, oh, okay, they're out in space. They're obviously aliens. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like that, that's think, Again, I think it's the argument works, that, that's no, fine. But I think in this conversation, right, like, again, because of how Infinity War is structured – that whole teaming up aspect that is very integral to what the Avengers are as a concept isn't front and center in Infinity War. In fact, it's the opposite. Thanos has literally divided and conquered because we're following his story. Yeah. Yeah, we get them coming it's, together at the end to face the big bad. With even not all of them. It's still split into uh, at two, or, yeah, two separate groups. So even that, we still don't get everyone teaming up. I don't know. I'm going to put a pin in that one because i got to hear closing arguments. Let's, let's talk the yeah. third one. Well, well I, I was going to say, you know, the, the other thought that I – and again, this I started saying it with the Avengers is what about compartmentalizing Infinity War? Let, 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 let's talk about it for a minute. Let, let's just say that these films – let's say we exist out of time and space. So does the – is it proper? to give the Avengers any points in this argument to say that it did it first. And and what I mean is, literally, outside of the films that came before the Avengers, the setup films, nothing in the MCU could have happened if this movie wasn't a success. Which means that it's more important to... I think, wasn't that actually our third point? More important to, like... The yeah. MCU overall. More representative. No, it was more representative of the MCU overall. No, no, we we already did that. That was the first point, actually. No, we, we said representative of the phase, representative of the MCU over, overall, and time capsule are the three points. Well, no, I yeah, thought that was can it stand on its own? Because that's where we've ruled a couple ones out. It's like, okay, could we take beats from this story and introduce it later? And okay. we're like, oh, well, yeah, I do know that we've talked a bit about in the past about how with, like, Black Panther and whatnot and a few other films, uh, impact in reality, how important it is to our real world lives and our, our actual. You know, that is a tiebreaker, which I think we can bring in here. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Well, again, it's, it's at least a point worth considering, because I think that's what Chris is touching on is can we even use that as a point of comparison? And I think that normally for this conversation, we don't. Because that's the kind of the reason why, like, getting rid of Schindler's List was a problem. But I think when we are having the kind of gridlock that we're kind of approaching now, I think it's worthwhile to consider. Well, and right now, right, we are only talking the Avengers films, right? We are yeah. basically leaving. You can still have a Guardians film. You can still have a this. You can still have a that. Because yeah. if we didn't, if we didn't, that would make this harder, I think. Yeah, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to that conversation in the next recording. Correct. <laughs> I'm just making sure we we set our criteria right because yeah, for this conversation, it's other MC movies can exist, but only one Avengers movie. Right. Shit. I don't know. I'm of two minds because on the one hand, preserving the one with the all white guys that's very representative of the movies. But, I mean, we got in this conversation as we just established. Uh, Black Panther can exist. Yeah. Because right now we're just talking about the Avengers movies, and if we cut out, we still we still can have those other representative movies. But the idea is, when this is all said and done, there will only be one remaining, so we lose Black Panther, we lose Guardians, we lose... Well, we Maybe. Maybe. Shang-Chi. Maybe. No, I'm saying, all boy, the competitors are Captain America, Captain America, 
uh, Winter Soldier, and Thor Ragnarok. Shit, yeah. Well, Thor Ragnarok has all the representation we need. <laughs> Does it? It has some. Does it? Man, it has more it. than these. It does not have more than it these. It has equivalent, because, again, like, one black character. So I thought they were... I, I gotta rewatch You got that. Valkyrie, and you've got Heimdall. Okay. True. Two. Oh, yeah, fuck. Okay, no, I'm Versus being stupid. Versus... Well, anyway, but... Panther, but, but... No, no, we're not, we're not going down... But, leaving... Path. So... Leaving, to, to be fair... To be fair... We, we didn't let, uh, you know... That stop us from discounting Black Panther's existence. I know that's not part of this discussion. I'm just saying that we we need to talk importance. I'm I'm just not sure how I feel about like our decision will be. I would say I would be much more. I know this is God. This is such a tricky thing to say. I would be even more on board with using that as a argument if say, David Hasselhoff was playing Nick Fury. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like the Avengers... Okay, yes, the Avengers might not give us a lot of representation, but it's not without representation. I mean, I guess the thing would be, right, this, this is like saying for a moment, this is like saying for a moment that you would... Say you're making a documentary about um, African-American representation in film. This would be like saying you're going to leave out the entire era of black exploitation because even though it created jobs and stars and people found ways around it it was white guys in movie studios that thought that that's what the kids wanted to see that made it yeah and i just have another thing it's you're 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 because something makes us feel gross right now it's not like we're sitting here and saying ha 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 you know what we we're the non-woke podcast and fuck you and (laughs) And you know, someone's a, going to set, just clip that out. And no, no, no. But no, seriously, though, we're not milkshake ducking it here. You know what I mean? Where the the thing is, is if you need to show somebody what a thing meant, like we're we're not talking about, for example, right? If we were doing a thing right now discussing the three Sam Raimi Spider Man films, right? There's a very short period of time that happened in the existence of those three films, right? So most of the uh, stuff that you're probably going to find if you deduce, oh, it, it's kind of gross that this, and hey, look, why is that character white and doing this, or anything you can talk about, it's going to be kind of contained in all three of them to some extent, right? We're talking about decades spanning films here. The Avengers 2 Endgame is what, 11 years? Yeah, because the, uh, uh, yeah. the whole Enterprise started in 2008, uh, Avengers is 2012, and Endgame is 20. 19. Right. So, I mean, it, it, this is not, you know, a three film franchise, right, that we're talking about here. So there's going to have to be some caveats of, hey, this might be more indicative because of how impactful or how well the film was made or how, you know, it literally set the blueprint that every film after it worked off of. I mean, we've talked about that a bit, right? We we did talk about how Thor Ragnarok is important because it sets the whole feel of the future MCU films after it. It kind of found that balance. It also had the strength of Thor's arc doesn't make sense without it. Right, right. And then here's the thing is, let's talk about that. Does the event, which movie tells you the most you need to know about the Avengers? And I don't mean everyone that's ever been an Avenger, just the Avengers as a group. 
which again comes back to the fact that Infinity War isn't about the Avengers. The Avengers are in it, but it's about Thanos. The Avengers I don't necessarily Avengers. buy that as much as it's yes, it's about uh, Thanos, but it's about the Avengers trying to stop Thanos. If it was about but Thanos, who are they? Thanos would be our POV. But who are they? Or he if is our POV. In, but if that's you come point. in, if you come into that movie, th- this would be like uh, it, it's a little bit more of a stretch. But let's say we were doing this about any film that's ever had anything to do with Gotham City, and you literally said, "Hey, we're gonna leave just the Joker." This would never happen because it's not a good movie. But if we said we're gonna leave just the Joker because, huh, Bruce Wayne's in it, so Batman's technically in the movie. Are you, you're describing Joker right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm saying that. Can you, as a person off the street, be handed Infinity War and go, "I know who the Avengers are." Can you be handed the Avengers and know who the Avengers are? Absolutely. I'd say a lot better. I'd say there were literally people that hadn't seen any of those films before, but probably knew of just hearing about them, that sat and watched that movie and were completely blown away by it because it's fairly self-contained. It's you don't, need, okay. to, you Sorry, don't need to know that Loki is Thor's brother to be like, okay, this guy's the villain when he shows up on screen the first time. Right, the movie the movie sets itself up pretty contained. Okay, I want to circle back to something that's in the back of my head and sure. going back to our time capsule thing. If we pick Avengers as our time capsule and we argue, hey, we got Nick Fury as our representation. Our representation is our one black guy is not necessarily trustworthy and might be equally bad to the villain because he's developing weapons versus we've got T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, who's playing the king of an affluent, you know, African nation and look at all his big army and oh isn't he cool? Okay, but I would argue that I don't agree with that uh, interpretation of Nick Fury in the first movie. But no, uh, they very much lean into there's that whole scene is like oh oh Shield might be kind of shitty too. They're basically doing what Hydra did, and Captain America survived World War II where he fought Nazis, and now we're drawing parallels between Nazis and Shield. Yeah, except the movie also goes out of its way to show you that Nick Fury didn't really want to do that, that that was the shady group of he, No, he says, what did you expect us to do when we've got, you know, God showing up on our doorstep? He oh, didn't yeah. say, I didn't want to def- do this. He, he immediately def- set to defending his decision. He defends the decision to the Avengers, yes, but we see him also talk about that decision to the shadowy organization who want him to use Phase 2, and he's the one telling them, no, I'm not going to use Phase 2, I'm going to go with the Avengers Initiative because I believe in this more. So... We literally be argued personal hubris in my project versus, I don't know, I'm saying we have to address. I mean, but that Nick Fury's arc is hubris. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we're boiling he's it back human, down. He's not a superhero. Yeah, I'm just saying, we're boiling it back down to we are picking the movie with less representation and our one representative I mean, character is kind of shitty. Also, and this to, just be, to be fair, though, and again, this this is slightly unfair because Black Panther... Oh, actually, no, Black Panther can exist in this conversation. Also, remember, and this was just pointed out to me literally by uh, by uh, someone next to me, but if you could also look at Nick Fury's story in Avengers 1 as literally being a plat guy who has the right idea when confronting a group of old, rich, white people. Yeah, and that's a good them, point. <laughs> and telling them, you're wrong, my plan is right. But you also... You're, you're using, uh, as a pivot point, T'Challa... As you know, the the, repre- the the representation of pure good, but literally his entire film was about showing him that everything he stood for 
could stand to have the piss taken out of it a little bit. Too. Uh, that's great, but that movie doesn't exist in this argument. We are looking but at the, the movies we have does. left on the it table. It exists, but for the this character does. Point. Yeah, I am arguing for the next phase, which we also have to consider, which we have used. Like, can any of these movies, like previous phases, can any of these movies beat one of the Avengers movies? So we have to consider, like, if it comes down to that final argument. I have a strong, uh, well, well I, we got to wait for that final argument. Because yeah. They, they, my I mean, thoughts on Avengers out. versus the other ones is going to be really difficult. Uh-huh. Considering, can we, can considering we really, how I feel about some of those other movies. You know, I, normally I would like to have the conversation, but considering we've been going for an hour and a half, can we agree that Age of Ultron's not going to beat either of these? Oh, no, I didn't think we were oh, going to correct, talk about Age of Ultron. Age no, of no, Ultron it, just kind of got in on a technicality. Like, I feel no, like we, it, we, we gave Age of Ultron its due to talk about it, try to defend it, to analyze it, but really this we knew from the beginning this is going to be either Infinity War or Avengers. So just to save time... Let's just say that we're already on the final round. Yeah, yeah, Age of Ultron isn't beating yeah, either no, of these, I... but, but I do have to say that with the due we gave Age of Ultron, it's a much stronger contender than I would have thought it would have been before yeah. we started. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Because so. these films are actually good for the most part, people. Yeah, That's that really is, what we're trying to get at here. Back to the matter at hand. I, I feel like, and we can continue talking about this, but I feel like it's funny that I feel like I am definitely on the rock of I have not been... Uh, swayed from the Avengers, or it feels like he's on the rock of I have not been swayed from Infinity War. Chris feels like he's more in the middle, but leaning towards my way. So that's where we have this kind of like this back and forth. It, so, it's uh, it's really it's so hard because the thing I'm trying to get out of my head right now, okay, is that Infinity War is not just an outlier in the Avengers. Infinity War is an outlier in all all of existing superhero films. Yes. Whereas the Avengers is the culmination. Remember, by me saying the Avengers set the blueprint for everything to come after it, this is not, at the time it might have seemed like a risk and by chance, but if you look at the pedigree, if you look at Whedon and what Whedon's done before and the things that have come before it, the Avengers' veins, what's running through its veins is... The Christopher Reeve Superman movie. It's the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. It's Blade. It's uh, all of these films are in are in there because people have tried and either succeeded or failed in another way that that film took and built on. It really did. And Infinity War is not just the antithesis or subversion of the MCU. It's the subversion of the entire genre. And it really needs points for that. It it really does, and and I I feel Infinity War might even be a stronger contender against some of the other films after this round, but I can't sway into its camp because of how much of a subversion it is. And also, Ulrich, it, it, I was thinking about this just now, because first of all, I agree with everything you just said, Chris, it's been swirling through my head too, and I'm glad you put it that way, but if you want to take the, the representation question, which I do think is important, I'm glad you brought it up, Ulrich, but... If we're talking about a quintessential film, a film representative of the franchise, the medium, the, the thing that we are smackdowning, in this case that being the MCU, the MCU is only very recently beginning to deal with representation better. Black Panther was very late. It, it was a Phase 3 movie. Oh, Shang-Chi yeah. is a Phase 4 movie. Black Widow is a Phase 4 movie, and Captain Marvel is a Phase 3 movie. So the fact that the Avengers is only got a little representation, is getting there, is is actually makes it 
by that token, more representat- representative of the Infinity Saga. And you got to remember, as far back as pre the Avengers, the stupid internet trolls were already calling this the woke franchise. So, uh, so this, I don't again, know. this again comes down to I will totally acknowledge that Infinity War's representation by including things like Wakanda and whatnot is better and is less uncomfortable, but. Again, those aren't the questions that these conversations are built around. The question that these conversations are built around is representative, quintessential. And the Avengers is more representative and in line with the rest of the MCU's movies in this regard than Infinity War is. Okay. Well, I got a monkey wrench in my brain that I don't want to throw in. But, well, I just considered the director choices here and what the directors were choosing to preserve and what that means when we double down with the movies and what that represents and we're choosing to preserve. And that gets into a whole separating the art from the artist. Yeah, it, I, I don't I don't necessarily think so because I think the Russo brothers, if they're in there, which they are, have made better films than the Avengers <laughs> that represent the MCU better, but in in terms of the Avengers films, their Avengers two part Magnum Opus does not beat out <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna say the part that's in my head and someone cracks open this Oh yeah, they kept they Joss go, Whedon okay, for their final they, round. What a bunch They of kept dicks. Joss Whedon, which all his shit, and they kept the whitest movie possible. These guys were dick. <laughs> I, I don't think I like these guys. You're going back in the time capsule. That just has to be said because I know someone else if I'm thinking it then I mean, someone else is thinking it. I don't think it has any bearing on the argument, but it just popped into my head and it's like, oh, fuck. We kept the worst possible director and the whitest movie. And and maybe that is fair, but that'd be be the same conversation if we were talking about, like, hey, what musical movie from the 1930s are we going to time capsule? And, and like, no matter what choice is, you'd have something like that here. And the, the fact of the matter is the MCU, as we've established, started in, you know, 2008, and progressive woke culture as we understand it has been stirring in you know the underground really since the 60s but has really only come into the form we understand it now especially in Hollywood within the last decade or so and even then it's taken a lot to get you know in here so it to me this is one of those situations where like just because something is more uncomfortable doesn't mean it is not the the correct thing to preserve as a point as a representation of what that point in time was yeah i just i, I mean you appreciate that specifically you know you know what i think would be a fantastic exercise hmm. regardless of how this goes this this would be a perfect example of something to get to get a fan that's not one of the three white guys talking on the yeah. show oh that, i very much agree that might represent the 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 people we're talking about here um, Which more representative, you know, and in and to to go through our decision process, like listen to the episodes and give and give their feedback on if they would have come to a different decision in that conversation and see how it goes. That is also why after watching Shang Chi, I made a point to go watch reviews from three actual people like from China to see what. People that not are not like me thought about it. Right. And I like that, but I feel that we have to accept that this is our personal take as three white guys. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, totally. Accepting the ref- accepting limitations. So I'm I'm begging somebody to get me off this rock. I don't like this conversation anymore. It's making me think I built a monument to Joss Whedon, and that makes me feel gross. Well, <laughs> Someone please well, help we me. Can all say, okay, we can all say it. Caveat: this, We're going to keep repeating it. Joss Whedon is gross. Yeah. And also, there are important, very important pieces of art and science and whatnot throughout history that come from really gross, disgusting people. Do you realize how much of a problem person Albert Einstein was? That doesn't oh, mean, yeah. That doesn't mean the special theory of relativity isn't one of the most important advancements in science in human history. But I, I agree, but like then the counter-argument is immediately like, don't promote the shitty people because there was plenty of non-shitty people but, that but you could I would, I, instead. I, I, guess, I guess I would say, yeah, John... Joss Whedon sucks. We're accepting that. We're agreeing with it. But we're also not giving him the only credit here. We've talked about a lot that he was just really fucking good at doing this. But yeah. also, so he, were the editors. So were the actors. So was the production company for putting up the money. So was the gaffers and the key grips and everybody else that he didn't fuck with that should still have their work preserved and promoted. Exactly. Do you punish all those people for the uncomfortableness of the one guy that you could easily, if we're talking about a time capsule, literally put in a, hey, this movie was super important to the evolution of cinema in the 21st century. The primary director behind it is shitty for these reasons, but that doesn't take away from the overall impact and effectiveness that this piece of art has. Except no one talks about the gaffers or the producers or the I, editors. I understand they talk that, about the writers and the directors. But that's Those a problem the with the, the discourse. Credits. That's the discourse's fault. That, that's why I, we, I agree. That's why Guys, they're not helping me off the rock. I, that's, get me off this goddamn monument. I'm saying, I, I I'm saying like stop it. for a minute. Stop for a minute. Ulrich, Ulrich, I want you to go back in time, and I want you to go back to sitting in the theater watching the Avengers for the first time, leaving out your feelings about who directed it or anything. Okay. Think about someone that's never had that feeling before and doesn't know about any of these other films. Now think about Infinity War. Which film gives you that feeling? Oh, it's Infinity War. I liked Infinity you. War. Okay. I, no, that's I had a better I just, feeling I coming out of Infinity War than I did Avengers. Avengers okay. took a while to warm up to. That's very legit. That, that, I think, is the more important part of this conversation, is what the film... Because if you time capsule this... The point is that someone gets to watch the film. This is not the Joss Whedon director Smackdown. Oh, God, no, we're not doing that one. Never. No, no, but right? Because remember, we had to let Clerks 2 through, and one of the biggest reasons we were arguing against it, that it took a very similar conversation to what we're having now to get you through, is Randall as a character is not supposed to be glorified. But Kevin Smith still wrote him to say some stuff that I think if he wrote the movie today, Randall would not say. And that movie was not that long ago, you know? Yeah. You know, but but again, we we aren't here to apologize for Joss Whedon, and we're not here to apologize for Kevin Smith. But we are here to say what movie is more indicative of what we're trying to talk about. Yeah. I also think that there is a very important – everyone has to make a personal decision – about weighing the value of a piece of art against the problems of the people behind it, of individual people behind it. I have a friend of mine who will not watch any movie with Mel Gibson in it. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, and I don't hold that against him. I'm still watching Mad Max movies because the Max, Mad Max movies are fucking awesome, but I don't hold that particular line against my friend at all. I but, would not either. Yeah. But I find that that's one of those things where it's like, as, Chris put it, there are a bunch of other people involved in these kind of things, and sometimes I think a piece of art, 
its effect, its impact, its importance can outweigh the the shittiness of one even very important person in its construction. But then that that leaving all that out, it really comes down to which film do we feel hits hits the majority of our points? And I I still sway to the Avengers, but I I feel that Ulrich feels really strongly about Infinity War, and I I just can't. We haven't been able to hit the linchpin that sways it. No, and that's what I hate. I I I want to vote well, Avengers. Hold on. Real quick, why? Because the one thing conversation we kind of pulled away from because we all agreed that Avengers is more addictive of the MCU. Ulrich didn't agree necessarily that Avengers was more indicative of Avengers movies. I want to hear your argument why not, because that seemed like a shoe-in for me as well. Again, it kind of comes back to if I'm saying the Avengers movies, MCU movies, were, as a lot of people say, contemporary myths, what best in my mind, conjures the idea of a myth. I think heroic figures, gods, demigods, monsters, and the whatnot. And all that kind of comes in Endgame. I have a wider cast. I see more people. There's more diversity in both characters and the types of characters, I have gods, I have demigods, I have space aliens, I have heroes, I have all of this on multiple settings. The monster is bigger. Everything about it feels grander and bigger. It feels more comic booky. And Avengers, while I love it very much so, is the feels the lesser of the two. I have I have two points there. One, which is I feel like you kind of sidestep my question, because my question basically came down to Age of Ultron, Endgame, Avengers, Infinity War. One of these things is not like the other three. <laughs> and by that nature, I don't think Infinity War can take the point of representative of Avengers movies. But that was what I was trying to get to. But second, Avengers are big team-ups. That is, at its core, Avengers is taking all the toys in the toy box and putting them in the movie. But they don't really team up and do anything and it, in Infinity War. They try. And also... And also I would argue, at least from my perspective, that the MCU and the Avengers movies themselves are not actually about bigness and spectacle. They are about camaraderie and characters. This, this, I remember this was taught, or I, I watched a video, it might have been Chris's brother talking about that people don't come to these movies to see the powers. If they did, then Hollywood producers would just make movies with those powers and different names, and that would work. But they don't. People come to these movies for characters. You know, Tony Stark's a great character. Thor's a great character. So what really, in my estimation, makes these movies is come, especially the Avengers movies, is about camaraderie between your characters. It's an excuse to get the characters that have gotten their own big movies where they got to do character-focused thing, now get them together and have them interact with each other. And by that token, even by that token, Avengers does that better because Avengers is completely all about, like, literally that, just having guess, them come together. And Infinity War is less about that and more about them dealing with an, an external threat that is the... I mean, you said they would make Thanos the POV. I think he is the POV. That's why we have scenes of, like, him being in the Soul Stone, dealing with, you know, what's going on with Gamora. We follow him through a majority of the film. So. I have I have a thought experiment. Okay. I don't know if this is going to work. 
but th- this just popped into my head. You've got a person standing in front of you. You open up this time capsule, okay? You need to pitch what they are about to watch to them, okay? I think back to things like how older superhero films were built or just like teaser posters, right? What did they say to get people pumped for Superman? You will believe a man can fly. That was taking a personal human thing and going, they didn't say you'll believe some alien named Clark Kent will fly because they wanted you to go and see Christopher even go, look at that. That guy is fucking flying. Like, this is how they got people's butts in the seat. That's how, that's the pitch that got people psyched to see it, whether they knew who Superman was or not, even though the world knew Superman. So you have these two films. You're explaining the Avengers to some. What is it? A whole bunch of superheroes get together for the first time on screen to kick someone's ass. What do you pitch Infinity War by? Some alien who you don't know who it is is going to try to destroy the world. Also, there's these Avengers people that we don't really get to tell you who any of them are that are there going to try to stop them. Okay. Which one gets the person in front of you more excited? I am ready to vote, but first, my own personal closing statements. I will sideline both of your arguments because they did not sway me. I can make arguments against, but I found the linchpin for me. Good. All right. That's good. I found the Hopefully this is everyone's linchpin. The Avengers is a message of hope that no matter how bad it gets, if you try, you can overcome. And as much as I love that more subversive, dark, quote unquote, realistic ending of and they failed and it's okay, I would still rather give someone in the future like, hey, it's shitty, but if you try, you can win versus if you try and you lose, it's okay. Because you survived, but maybe you didn't. And that's where I think Avengers wins is, for all the other shit, it is a message of hope. And, and I, well, I, I agree, sound, I agree I completely. Sound, yeah, I don't want to sound uh, uh, egotistic or petulant, or petulant, but didn't I say that? Like, you did, half an hour didn't, ago? I was going to say, but not in the exact same way. You, 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 you said the winning versus losing, but you didn't say hope. Well, because I I said hopelessness of ah okay Infinity War. I implied the hopeful message of Avengers, but I, okay. I, I, think, I think Ulrich just needed to come full circle on it. Is is what yeah. I, that is literally yeah. that was that was literally my big linchpin from like half an hour ago. And if you came to it, that's great. That's I love okay. It. I, I wanted to say another thing, and I know this this is a moot point in this conversation, but it might not be. I feel the impact of them losing in Infinity War. If you get the movie on its own is far less subversive without seeing them succeed so many times. Uh, eh. I think oh, you no. need to see the Avengers succeed. Hey, man, for I, 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 to like, so like I said, for me, the idea of one of the movies is hopeful and the other one is hopeless. That's, I love that linchpin. Like I said, I, that was what I was. I I failed to convey that a while back. Apparently, but I'm glad. That's hopeless where we... is not the right word. That's where you're tripping. It's not hopeless, but it's not hopeful. If that makes any sense, it's a weird little nuance. But okay, that, that's fine. I, like I said, I I'm I'm saying that I failed to convey what I was trying to say, which is that the if those are the only movies we have, Avengers: Infinity War, I much prefer the message given by a by the Avengers than the message given by Infinity War without Endgame. Okay. I would like I would like to add the caveat of saying, but that does not mean the only people that get to be hopeful are just the white guys. 
That's <laughs> right, what this movie says. Let's make it formal. Everyone's in agreement. Avengers moves on, takes the round. Yes. Yes, takes but just game. like in every other thing, it was so much harder to get there in a good way. Oh, we spent two hours talking about that. I think this is our longest whatever for a it's reason. great. Jesus H. Christ. That, that went places I didn't want it to go. Yeah, I mean... The final I, SmackDown's going to be a nightmare. Show me on to... Tom Hiddleston where they touched you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do the Chris thing, though, and get people who aren't like us to, to talk about these kind of yes, things. Please, but. for the love of God, we'll circle back to the promo. Tell us who you think is going to win so you can enter a chance to win the free digital copy of Black Widow. And please tell us your choice. The whole bracket, this bracket thing. Tell us who you think or which movie you think, and what you think of this argument. For the love of God, that was just... Why did you guys make me go there? You also get the free frozen yogurt, which I call yogurt. <laughs> anyway, uh, good. I feel like my brain is kind of fried. <laughs> Normally we don't go this long, but uh, before we go anywhere else, Chris, thank you for going on this art, this journey, this battle with us. Here's your special soapbox you can get on for your plug. <laughs> ah, yes, my journey commences. Um... Thank you guys so much. Uh, I I really do, and, and I don't say this lightly. Even though you're you're my friends, and I think everything you do is great. I think collectively, this is these Smackdowns are the the, the f- best thing. It's my favorite thing in podcasting to do. Um, and I I just hope we continue them forever. I I think it was a great idea. Um, and it's just been great to work on it and build on it with you guys and. If this is the only time you've ever heard me, um, thank you for listening. Um, I try to be interesting. I think these guys are also great. Um, I love having them on my shows. Uh, you can find me by searching The Chippa Made This. I make lots of podcasts and other things. Um, the output has been slower as of late as life is very hard right now, um, but I'm trying my best. I also um, co-host and co-produce another show called the fighting films podcast, which is doing very well as well with my friends, Stefan and Jess. And uh, that is an offshoot of one of my shows. So you can check that out by searching the fighting films podcast. Um, I just really like making stuff online with people and hope to do it forever. And I love you guys. We love you too, Chris. And I always love having you on. And uh, I think I don't want to, um, uh, I'm saying ums and uhs too much. I don't want to. I'll get cut in editing. Don't worry. It's all right. I don't want to shrink anything else we do, but I think you're right that the SmackDowns, if they're not my favorite thing to do, they are of like top three favorite things we do. I love the being, I especially love the, the places we go that I have not gone with movies <laughs> like this before. I love being challenged on different ways to approach or think about these kind of movies. It's wonderful stuff, and you're our shield brother, and always love having you. Awesome. It, it's It's just great to be in conversations with people you haven't physically met in person yet and be so open. And like able to go to these places in these conversations because I'm know, gonna I'm gonna make the Boston trip happen this, so we can drink. good <laughs> good this is this is like it, it's good to just have film discourse that's honest yeah that's, that's why um, that's why uh, Ulrich can cut this out if he doesn't want to reveal it to everyone yet but that's why we've considered lifting our Star Wars conversation ban so oh, Jesus just for like one episode but you know we'll see what happens. <laughs> Oh, now you've doomed it. The monkey's paws. Star Wars is bad. Star Wars is good. Star Wars is good and bad and good and oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, Ulrich, I think it's time for you to take us into the outro. Yeah, before I do that, I'll, I'll bring us in our final wraparound. Oh, yeah. also, Fireside Alliance. Oh, shit. Yes, we are all part of the Fireside Alliance. Who wants to talk about it? I mean, it's a coalition of podcasters. We've got a site. It's called the Fireside Alliance because we all, you know, it's like you're sitting around the fire telling stories. We're all telling stories to each other. We, uh, they're all wonderful people. We chat with them in, like, you know, a Discord and whatnot. And I admit I haven't got to look into much of their output, but, you know, they all seem like great people. I know that Chris, I know you've listened to some of their output, so I, I have I believe in your tastes as well. And I know that we're planning to do potentially maybe some stuff together that I can't reveal because I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about. But yes, yes. yes. It, it's it, 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 it is something that I to this day and am just so happy to bring other fellow podcasters in with me because I if any of you listen to the Geeks with Shields or the Chip and Made This stuff, you probably also listen to the School of Movies, and they are incredible and so much better at all of this than I could ever hope to imagine to be. And the fact that they want to even chat in the same room as me is amazing. Um, you know, I I geek out basically about everybody that I get to record with because I just think it's awesome to do stuff like this. But they they really are you know, one of the best. And I had mentioned to them, I'd like to do some advertising stuff, you know, advertise their show on my show and do the same. And the creator, um, Alex, um, was just like, uh, you know, Hey, why don't we just do this? I've been wanting to put a podcasting network together and it's just grown very quickly. And you're right. The other people in it are great. I'm trying to interview everyone involved on my show. Um, is like fireside chats and uh go to firesidealliance.com enter the discord as long as you're not a dick you're welcome just if i cut off Ulrich's uh outro he was going into it's just i remembered it i wanted to make sure we mentioned it <laughs> yeah i was just going to say 100 episodes honestly we, we've talked before we didn't think we would make it more than a year so it, it's really impressive that we have made it this far I don't know if we're going to survive another hundred because if episodes like this, they're just, I loved it, but goddamn, this went places I did not want it to go. Um, if you've been with us since the beginning, that's great. If this is your first episode, what a place to jump on. <laughs> I have, I have no words except thank you all for listening. Share this with a friend. If only to make this whole endeavor worth it. Yep, and uh, whatever you're listening to us on, whether it be SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, or FiresideAlliance.com, thank you. And if there's another platform you want us to be on and we're not, tell us what it is so we can look into it, and you can listen to another 100 episodes, fingers crossed, on it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.